This is Bibliovile, and we forgot to record an intro. It's the Terrible Book Exchange podcast, wherein a wife, her sister, and the original wife's husband get each other the best other world books they can find. In this episode, oh, I never do this part. In this episode, Mick reads Bone Magic, Michelle reads Harvest Hunting, and Susan reads Bloodwine. And then several days later, Mick records an intro. Welcome to Bibliovile, the Terrible Book Exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. I'm Susan Dickinson. And I'm Michelle Johnson. And you're going to need a bigger boat because we just finished watching Jaws. Oh, yeah. And it was absolutely horrifying because a guy got bit in half. Yeah. Spoilers. So Spoilers. one of the reasons that Sue makes a really great wife and also a really great uh, movie watching partner is because Sue is absolutely not subtle at all in any certain way. And so more fun than watching Jaws for the first time. I'm sorry. Uh, for everyone who's already seen it, uh, was watching Susan watch Jaws. For the first time. For the first time also, yes. and Because so, also Susan has not seen any movies. Yeah, and Susan doesn't really understand movies, so when people get hurt, she's like, that person's getting hurt. She's, it's kind of uh, worrisome sometimes. I understand that they're not actually like the real person isn't getting hurt. I just have a lot of empathy, Michael. I'm sorry. But, I mean, Michelle, you're here. You understand subtext and subtlety and themes. What would you say is like the actual story of Jaws? Because I've heard a lot of theories on this. The actual story? Like the real monster's alcoholism. No, I I mean, I think the real story of Jaws is that the mayor is a hero because he doesn't want to let Summa go by without enjoying it. Yeah, he's all... (laughs) He he may have let some people die, but he is a style icon. I was going to say, he is the hero for those anchor... That anchor... Uh, blazer. Anchor blazer? Anchor jacket? Anchor it's definitely coat. a blazer because it's not part of a it suit. It doesn't match, <laughs> yeah. Well, or maybe it, it is. Oh my that god. That would be the most amazing suit of all time. Anchor Potentially pants. Potentially even more amazing than Conor McGregor's FU suit. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, it has been a while since we recorded Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. I uh, exceeded expectations to last until the 10th round. I Did mean, you? good for him. Good for him. He got a million dollars for getting a concussion. Actually, like, $18 million for getting a concussion. I Frankly, I get, get a concussion. concussion for $18 million. I, I get concussions for free all the time. So, I mean, take that for what you will. So, welcome back to the other world version we of Bibliovile. We are back. The best book Biblio exchange pod. Bibliosmile. We are back in Otherworld by Yasmin Galliner in the fantastic extended universe. As soon as I cracked open this book, I was I was shining from ear to ear, smiling so hard. Because mm-hmm. it's so much fun, and I cannot recommend these books hard enough. We were driving here to Pella, and Mick was just constantly, like, putting his book down and doing a little happy cheer in the passenger seat, because he was so pleased about all the things that were happening in A Bone Magic. Yes, so that is my favorite part, is when Susan first got uh, Otherworld from me, no big deal, she got what I believe is your next book. Next Crimson time. Veil, yeah. Yeah, Crimson Veil was her first book, and we took a look through... The other books by Yasmin Gallinorn, and one of them was named Bone Magic. And I immediately was like, these books are going to be great. And before we get into it too much, I'm just going to say to you and you, it is an apt title. <laughs> oh, boy. Bone and Magic. Oh, boy. Apt titles. <coughs> oh, Susan just coughed, and she looked like she was about to throw up for about 0.2 <laughs> seconds. That was really weird. Coughing no, and throwing up. I have up. the hiccups. Oh, well, you have existed for more than 30 seconds, so. Yeah. 
Uh, coughing and throwing up has been a theme of this weekend so far at the Johnson is, household. Not, aside from Susan just now, it has not been largely the theme of any particular human's experience. Just our dogs. Just the dog. Lily. Uh, Lily, she's great. She has, uh, she really puts the lick in colic, mm-hmm. I have to say. And this time I said it for the, for the listener, because you guys have heard that joke about four times. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any thoughts before we hop directly into it in, in general, big thoughts? I am interested to see how your books were because my book got dark. Really? And very serious. And it was a lot of like capital P plot that happened oh. in my book. There was, there was a fair amount of capital P plot in my book. Are although. We, to use the vocab that we've used previously in these episodes. Are big you, plot. Big plot. Yeah, big plot. Yeah. Okay. But also in my book, part of a big part of my book, which I might talk about later, is that I felt like all of a sudden there was like they were doing project management on the plot mm-hmm. in the book. Like the characters were project managing the plot like and having was, a big board with checkoffs to do. I mean, they definitely had, guns had a meeting with a steno pad at one point. So like that's a thing <laughs> oh, yeah, that actually happened, sure. and it was delightful. <laughs> really? Yeah. We're gonna hire a, have to hire a stenographer. <laughs> no, like a just like somebody was taking notes during yeah, a secretary. their meeting of like. I'll send out an email later yeah. with copies of the minute. I have right. expected that to be what Camille said, except yeah. that it was also her wedding night, so I was very confused about why she was asking. Oh, which yeah. wedding night? Which wedding? Oh, we'll get there. Which husband? They, she's already been married which, to two of them. Which one is she not married to yet? Morio and Smokey. She got already oh, married so to she, last episode. Trillion, then. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Speaking of which, characters and traits and all that sort of stuff, Susan, I, and listener... Uh, I look at the microphone when I'm talking to you because where else are you in the ether? I suppose. Um, I assume that you have now started reading the series, and if you have not, you definitely need to. But Susan, if I could pick any character from the series, there is a definite fit for you and a different friend of ours, Erica, uh, and that is Iris. She is uh-huh. a little bit shorter and just acts as like team mom. Yep. To everyone. Yes. Um, and I have a team mom. And I have a very, very special event that I that uh, Iris kind of stumbled into this episode, which I would very much love to see you have to like endure oh or go through. It's pretty good. So I'll I'll hop into it. I've got Cammy, so that means my book is the first of three, as always. Uh, and so I've got bone magic, as I said. Um, in terms of like great big kind of impressions, this book was very very light on small plot. And I wonder if we're just kind of like getting to that time period where small plot has ceased to matter as much and we're taking yeah. a longer view. Like Miss Gallinor is starting to feel a little bit more comfortable in her uh, series and feels less pressure to deliver on every single small little uh, novel. But to do the small plot, uh, just to get it out of the way, it opens very fun. Uh, and so I started reading this at... Uh, school with in homeroom because we do reading every single day and my kids immediately start asking me what i was reading and why <laughs> i was laughing and uh smiling so much did you mm-hmm. also put this book in a paper bag because like, no yeah uh they didn't really get a good look at like it like a pleather bustier oh yeah she says that her her style is uh noir fetish yeah fetish noir that's makes how she, sense. she puts it yeah it does make sense um, but she gets to, uh, the book opens with her and Cammy and Morio. So she, remember, she's the sex witch and Moro, Morio is her Japanese husband, fox demon. Mm-hmm. A yukai kitsu. Yukai kitsu, indeed. And so it opens with them fighting, like, media res, fighting zombies. It's in the middle of the fight and they're fighting zombies. One of the zombies is just a regular zombie and the other zombie 
is a demon body that's inherited by the spirit of a sorcerer. And so it's like a more dangerous one, but they dispatch it pretty quick. But it turns out that by the end of the scene, we find out that they were the ones raising these zombies because they are practicing their death magic, which yeah. is is in the book labeled and talked about differently than necromancy. But to every single piece of me reading the plot seems like necromancy yeah. to me. They like grave rob and yeah. raise the dead and all sorts of stuff, but whatever. But then we get this nice fun, and I read this to your dad to kind of show him why I love these books so much. So if you have not listened to an Otherworld episode before, what the hell are you doing? But this is what Otherworld is. We'd been running magic thick and fast for days now, accelerating our practice, trying to hone our spells before we came face to face with the new demon general that Shadow Wing had loosed upon Seattle. Once we found the Lamia, we'd have our work cut out for us. She was lying low, hiding out, and none of our contacts could place her or the half-demon wizard we suspected had gated her in, but eventually she'd make her move and we had to be ready. That's sort of just like, here's a bunch of words and <laughs> supernatural fights or supernatural kind of stuff just thrown out. Uh, continuing on the small plot of the book, it's mainly focused on the amazingly named Stasia Bone Crusher. Yes. Of course. The, the Lamia. Yes. The Lamia, which is about a 20 foot anaconda with uh, human torso, hands and uh, face. But she can also disguise herself as a very muscular human woman, an FBH in the... Uh, Fully-blooded human. Fully-blooded human in the vocab of this book. Um, so the small plot is focused on finding her and defeating her, but we don't. <laughs> they find right. her They find her house, she, they go to her house, they break in, they find a plan, and she has since moved on, and then the house blows up once they're out of there. Um, they think that there's a mole in their organization, and that's about all we get for small plot. Uh, it feels like... This was kind of the piece in the the D and D adventure because you know how I love comparing books to D and D. Yeah, for sure. Well, this, this one it's fairly this out. series, yeah, um, feels like a a like a game night to kind of let everyone breathe after a particularly mm -hmm. big boss battle after they just staked Dredge, I believe, was the previous book, uh, or that was two books ago, mm -hmm. wasn't it? What happened in Manali's last book? Uh, she slept with Roman, not Roman. Not Roman. Um, she slept with Razuriel. Razuriel. And there were some tentacle demons. The tentacle demons hunting after her sister. The Carsetti. And so they de they defeat the cult, mm -hmm. right? And so now they're they're still kind of cleaning up after that cult. And uh, a lot of the one series of scenes takes place on the previous cult lands, which is now raising spirits and poltergeists because of all the bad juju on those lands. And so it's kind of like cleaning up after that. So we're kind of taking a breath, getting everyone leveled up. Getting some, getting them some loot. It's all pretty great. I think, especially with what you've said about your books, that we're starting Act Two of the series. Yeah, here, yeah. That it feels like we're getting into like the stakes are being raised a little bit. Definitely. We're done with introductions. We're starting to find a role and everything. Um, so that's the small plot. That's it. They try to find Stasia. They don't. All right. There's no spirit seals or anything like that that they find or try to get. Because remember the 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 big 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 plot. Is fighting the spirit seals and defeating the demon known as Shadowing from uniting all the worlds together and invading it with demons. Just a brief over overview of what the other worlds. Yeah, the briefest of overviews. Things. So, like I said, it's a very apt name, and this is going to be very uncomfortable to talk about with my sister-in-law in this very small room. <laughs> There's lots of magic. 
And lots of boning. Um, <laughs> there are four explicit sex scenes. Cause That's Cammy's more than the, usual. Yeah, because Cammy's the sex one. Uh-huh. And I mean, they all do it, and it's what it's good and nice, but Cammy <laughs> is the sex one. Um, there are many, like, many... trying to be very kind about, like, no, women should also enjoy sex. Yes. Also, and like, nice. <laughs> uh, I will get to the end of it, because I have something to say about these sex scenes. But four explicit sex scenes, many, many more off-screen that we're led to believe, like, they wake up the next morning, or... He carries me upstairs and, you know, these sorts of things. Um, There is one MMF with Smokey the Dragon, Morio the Yukai Katsun, which involves a little bit of butt stuff. Actually, a lot of bit of butt stuff. (laughs) Um, One with just Morio. One with just Trillian, her alpha lover in Svartan, who has been undercover, which you guys didn't tell me about. He wasn't actually spy, or he wasn't captured he was spying and trying to keep undercover even from cammy in fairness, i didn't know that i think this is i think this is a point where like reading uh, reading only one sister's books gives you a slight skew of understanding of what's going on because and that's what's true important. and that's a little bit more fun and yeah. every every time delilah talked about like trillian being gone it was always like well he's just gone and we don't know where he is and then it was mm-hmm. kind of like well he's also sort of trying to hide from cammy but he's trying to hide from everyone yeah so it's like well so it turns out because of the Civil War, it, I don't have time to go into that. He's he's back. Um, so one with just Trillian, and then instead of just an oomph, an MMF, she gets an MMF with oh, all three men. No. So I am in no way into these sorts of things, but this is how it is. It, I, I was interested in the diagramming, as I'm sure everyone is. <laughs> so Morio, the fox demon, is underneath... 69ing up to the top. Smokey the dragon is from behind, and Trillian the Spartan, which I don't even know really know what that is, is from the front. Oh. And so there's our three, and I think that Morio really, really, really gets the worst of it. Because <laughs> not only is he left out, so to speak, but also just imagine where his nose is. Yeah. And so I feel really bad for Morio, but you know, he got a scene to himself. And I was asking Sue about this, and that's a really weird way to start this conversation, but in a polyamorous relationship, which uh, Cammie has with three different men, and it seems to go okay, because there's an understanding of like hierarchy with Trillian being the top, and then Smokey and Morio being a little bit down like lower, there's pretty good lines of communication from Cammie. The guys get a little competitive, and she worries about testosterone wars, is how she puts it. But, is there like a problem with Two of the three being left out, do you think? Like, is that like cheating on the other two to only no, sleep I don't with one? Think out so, of t- as long as you're also like, as long as everyone feels like they're getting theirs, All and right. then also like, presumably she will also have future sex scenes where it's just one, one on one with the rest of them. Probably, yeah. the The thing I want to bring up the most is that, especially coming off of freaking Jungle Bride, <laughs> yeah, and Fifty Shades of Grey, is that these are explicit sex scenes, like, pretty dang explicit, while still being not gross. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just, like, they're, and, and I've read every single Cami book, I mean, they're like, ooh, 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 ooh. oh my. Yeah, like, that kind of, like, whoa, kind of gross, but not like, oh, God, kind of gross, like Not the other like, ones were I feel lapping like I need at to her cream, bleach yeah. out my brain. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's really funny watching Yasmin Galnorn get better at them throughout the series because the first couple ones were like, no, but now they're getting better. Um, but moving into the big plot of this book, which it has a lot of, is that Smokey uh, 
the dragon leaves. He leaves the group, especially at the time of hardship, because it turns out he was in an arranged marriage. Um, that dragon's arranged marriage is at birth, so he is a fiancé this entire time. And his father, who is lecherous and gross for everything that Smokey is controlling and, like, not great in a lot of ways, dominating, but it's, it once again, that's led to be a character fault, not a character plus. Um, so his father shows up with his betrothed, who is described as, Her eyes gleamed as golden as the rest of her, and she let out a hearty laugh with full, luxurious lips. She was wearing a red robe that revealed as much as it covered, and it had it belted with what looked like gold-plated waist cincher. Nope, not even our most incredible beauty back home in Yelestrial could have competed with this nightmare of fantasy. So even for, like, the fae, the most beautiful creatures in the world, the human golden dragon that is this woman just blows them out of the water. And so we don't get a dragon's real name. Smokey is not the dragon's real name, yeah. obviously, because you get some magic over a dragon by knowing the real name. But this is what happens a couple of paragraphs later. Smokey is talking and he says, "It's No, that's not my name, he said evenly. It's my name to the, the world of the Northlands. I left it behind when I left the family dryery behind. My name is Smokey, he gazed at the woman. You assume far, far too much. Hot lips. <laughs> this is Margaret Houlihan? Yeah, this is MASH all over again. <laughs> oh, the, the, the most beautiful woman that has yet been in this book series is named Hot, Hot Lips, which I think is pretty fantastic. Uh, he also swears to come back from, he has to leave to go settle this. This is not a thing that he can leave behind. And so he, he swears to come back by my smokestacks and whiskers, which is pretty great. Yeah. Um, Trillian comes back. They do it. Henry Jacobs, the man who has been helping out at their bookstore, gets killed. Uh, he's the one major death in this book uh, by Stasia's men who bomb Cammy's bookstore that's been around since the beginning. Uh, Cammy actually got the horn of the black unicorn in my previous book mm-hmm. and then has to be the one to kill and sacrifice the black unicorn um, because he is very much a phoenix rebirth and everything. Uh, so she has to stab him with his own, re- his previous version of him's horn she has to use to kill him. Uh, and so she, through that effort, uh, becomes priestess to the moon mother instead of just a witch. Now she is a full-fledged priestess, a thing she did not think would ever happen. Uh, so once again, this has nothing to do with finding Stasia Bonecrusher. This is like for the rest Leveling of the books. Up. Yeah. Leveling up. Exactly. Chase, which is going to come in both your books, uh, when they do go to find Stasia Bonecrusher, gets in a fight off screen. Uh, Cammy comes around to check on him and he's going to die. So they give him a, like, throwaway Chekhov's elixir, the elixir of life. The nectar of, the nectar life. of life. Nectar of life. Excuse so, me. So I will say, uh, I did feel like this was a throwaway that was introduced at the very end of my previous book, which was that when Delilah and Chase were having a big to-do about their relationship, one of the things Chase kept bringing up was that she was going to live for a really long time, and he was he's like a, he's a full-blooded human, so he's just uh, not. He's going to live to, like, 80, and yeah. she's going to live to, like, 1,000. Yeah. And he was talking about how uncomfortable that made him. And then, and then at one point in the, in the, and Delilah was like, there's nothing we can do about that. And then Chase is like, well, there is. And she's like, you mean the nectar of life? And I was like, this has never been brought up before. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And it it especially felt that way for me because basically Delilah comes up and is like, hey, uh, I want you to know there's, this isn't a good time, but there's no good time, which is really a theme of these books. Yeah. Is like, 
That was really cute. You guys harmonized that and everything. <laughs> is that there's always something going on yeah. in these books, and so there's no good time, so you kind of just have to make time, which I think is a pretty realistic theme to include in a book. Because there's no good time to be like, this is the perfect time to bring this up. Yeah. So she's basically like, this is the wrong time, but there's no right time. We're thinking about giving Chase the elixir of life, uh, which or no, the nectar of life, excuse me, which will let him be like a thousand. And Cammy is basically like, no, don't do that, because full-blooded humans aren't ready to live a thousand years, which... Probably not. Yeah, to a certain extent, is true. But now that he's dying because of this battle that they had that was worthless, they're like, he's either going to die or we give him the nectar of life. And so they decide it's better to have, to chance his being insane without doing these rituals than to almost certainly let him die. So they give it to him. We don't see anything. So I'm going to leave that up for you guys. Iris, the uh, Finnish house sprite, has some secrets popping up in her life. Uh, Cammy gets to share a vision of a large shadow. It turns out that Iris uh, was engaged to a man at when she used to be high priestess back in the other world and went to his room shortly before their wedding and woke up in some sort of like hospital-ish thing with her betrothed separated from his body, his body destroyed and his spirit now wandering. And so she got kicked out of her, like, order because of this. And she doesn't know what happened. So those are the, the uh, spirits haunting her, which is not what I have for you because you're Iris. And I really want you to experience this next this thing coming up. Um, in terms of Otherworld big plot, the Otherworld's Otherworld rulers. So the Fae Queen that just won the Civil War, Tanquinar, is that the one who lost? T- the T11 and the L1 lost. Okay, yeah. Tonquinar won. Lathasinar <laughs> lost. The T Queen. Yeah, the T Queen. Uh, which is not in our list cast of major characters, which is, this is the first book I've gotten a, a cast list. The T1, the, the Elfin Queen, the King of the Unicorns. Of course. Which is very fun. Who's uh, different from the Black Unicorn? Who's, who's different? Yeah, the Black Unicorn is like a god, where the King of the Unicorns is a secular ruler. Uh, and several other minor major characters that, I know that sounds weird, but minor major characters we get, along with Tam Lin from the first book, Ben Welter from my book, and Venus the Moonchild from someone else's book. From my book. Um, come, and when Cammy and her lovers are in Otherworld, they meet, and they're going to use the spirit seals instead of hiding them to deal with these portals ripping open instead of just hiding them and hoping Shadowwing doesn't get his hands on them they're going to use them to balance or close or something the portals apparently this is a bad idea and they don't think it's going to work however they're Who's going they uh the sisters the sisters and the the triple threat of the day the night and the day in the night courts on earth world and then morgane who is like the raven lady the crow lady uh, on Earthworld. Don't think that's a good idea, so they're asking Cammy to play their side. So it's Yeah, whatever. If you haven't read it, it's very boring. <laughs> However, Tamlin, Ben Walter, and Venus the Moonchild are from Earthside, but the, the Spirit Seals have chosen them and touched them and are changing them, and so they are now going to be the Karastar Knights, and they are going to deal, they're going to train and deal with the Spirit Seals and protect them and use them in the best way. So they will find more Karastar Knights to recruit from the Spirit Seals, or as I call them, Spirit Seal Team Six. Yeah. I remember the Karastar Knights from the first time I read. Yeah, you were very confused about that one. And I thought you you meant literal seals, which it turns out there are were seals in Uh the... Selkies. 
uh, what's the Puget Sound? Yeah. Yeah. But also we're orcas, which I like. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. It's mentioned in an offhand manner. Do you think you can turn into a non-mammal? There's worse spiders, I suppose. There's worse spiders, but there's no werebirds. There's no werebirds? That I've heard of. There's Thunderbird. That's a different book. That's a different bird. That's a different bird. That's a different Kirkaburka. So that's that's the plot, and that's kind of not boring. But if you haven't read it, it's like whatever, Mick. Get me to the fun part. This book is so fun and so amazing. I love it so much. Um, Morio and Cami always hold hands when doing death magic, and yes. I think of the twins from The Shining because it's death magic, <laughs> and they're always holding hands, like chanting and holding hands, and it's really creepy, and I love it so much. Um. At one point, Cammie is attacked in Otherworld, and she uses the horn of the Black Unicorn to not, like, burn the attacker, not blow him away, and not drown him, but she opens the earth underneath him, he falls in, and then she closes the earth uh, on top of him, and she's not sure if it crushes him to death or if he just gets buried alive and suffocates and she's like, oh, whatever. And it lasts about a page and a half, like that oh my God. endeavor. Oh and my so I God. love how quickly it moves on. Maggie the Gargoyle is cuter than ever. Yes, she uh, is. In my book, she's beginning to speak. And she, like, licks tears away. And she's like, mm-hmm. Cammy, no cry. And so she's adorable. They have a child-rearing book for gargoyles they bring up at one point. They do. Which I absolutely love that there's a book for this. Um, I call it What to Expect When You're Expecting Gargoyles. The thing I've been talking about, Susan, about Iris, is at one point they take Iris with them to find Stasia Bonecrusher's hideout, uh-huh. and she's like, I swore to myself I'd never do this, like a Rambo, like, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm retired, I'm not going to do it again, but it's, it's coming time that she's going to have to step in, because they're kind of losing this battle, and she's, so she starts chanting and doing some other stuff and focusing, and there's this big wave of, like, icy fog, and by the time the icy fog retreats... She has turned the enemies inside out and Cammy pukes because it's so gross. That's amazing. Tiny little, I baked, I made breakfast for you and I baked cookies and I've got Delilah on a fruit diet because you eat too much junk food. And I'm raising your gargoyle I'm raising baby. your gargoyle. I just turned demons inside, inside out, out with my magic. But, 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 and Susan has already unfortunately asked too many questions about this so she's already gotten a lead on this is the fact that the star of the show absolutely first time he appears known to me is rodney the bone golem (laughs) a bone golem named rodney (laughs) i love everything about that so he absolutely steals the show um have to find where they find they introduce it and it's just so obviously a, a dungeon master once again back to D thought this would be a hilarious item and just gave it to him and wanted to see how they used it it's kind of like the uh nitpicker in the adventure zone because yeah. he's so insulting and he's just like if andrew dice clay was a skeleton so this is him and forgive me for the language well, 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 the demon brat and the fairy slut finally remember me and come waltzing in like queens in a drag show. I thought you'd never get your asses back here. A faint voice echoed from a branch on the rhododendron. Where the fuck have you two nincompoops been? He's like chewing on a cigar in a 1920s movie the entire book, and it's amazing. I grimaced. The skeleton was all of 12 inches tall. 
Perched on the branch, he was holding onto the leaf next to him. Grandmother Coyote had loaned him to Morio. The creature was actually a golem of sorts, created from bits of bone and then animated and given a sense of intelligence. Whether she'd made him or found him, I didn't know, and I wasn't going to ask. Shut up, Rodney, Morio frowned. The minuscule miscreant, by the way, amazing, minuscule yeah. miscreant, yes. so Batman, was a smartass. You want my help or not, you bitches? <laughs> He's just, he like constantly yells at them. Morio yells at him and says, go back in the box. The lid was open and lined with a thick pelvet, purple velvet padding. Is a coffin that he hangs out in. Fuck a duck. Rodney let out a long huff. Do I have to? Yes, Morio said. Rodney slowly lifted his middle finger and flashed at us, then lightly leapt into the box. <laughs> he shows up multiple times. Rodney fastened his gaze on Delilah and let <laughs> Is that out... that what all those bookmarks are for? <laughs> yes. Let out a long whistle. Hot damn. Another broad. Well, fuck me with a swizzle stick. You're a scorcher. And this is literally how it's written out. Baby. <laughs> Baby. B-A-Y hyphen B-E-E in Italian. Baby. I love Rodney so, so very much. They use him in the final battle to scout ahead because he's disposable. The flame in Rodney's eyes, eye sockets flared. Uh, he asked, what's going in there? Not much. They scrammed, but fast. He's like a 1920s gangster. They yeah. scrammed, but fast. fast. It is consistent, and it is amazing. I love him so much that Rodney the Bone Golem can also grow to a height equaling and exceeding Cammy, and nobody tells them that until he <laughs> finally gets pissed off of Cammy, like, down-talking him and grows and was like... <laughs> You want to keep shit talking? And she's like, oh my god. That's not until Morio goes into his full fox demon form that he gives up because, oh, no one told him that. I'm really glad that you got some Rodney the Bone Golem action in here. Finally. I missed. I, yeah, I feel like we've been waiting for it yeah. for a very long time. It's oh. some good stuff. After, like, That's after the probably the third dance. or fourth time that Mick started dancing in the passenger seat while reading this book, I was like, have you encountered Rodney, Rodney the, the Bone, Bone Golem yet? Because I feel like that's what's making you dance like this. It's the return of Rodney the Bone Golem. <laughs> but fast. But fast. Get, let's scram, scram but, but fast. fast. Ugh. Michelle, what is your book called? My book is called Harvest Hunting. Okay, so Mick's book was called Bone Magic, and that very much made sense. Does your title make sense? Uh, Yes, kind of. I mean, okay. so Delilah is a cat. Uh, I mean, yeah. A wear she, cat. She's a wear cat slash panther, and she hunts things. That's the thing that she does. Um, and then also, I don't know if you're aware of this, but she is a death maiden. She mm-hmm. is sworn to the autumn lord, the lord of the harvest. Therefore, there's that's where your harvest aspect yeah. comes in. Um, the other thing to know about my book, much like how the first book that I read was taking place around Yule, this book is taking place around Samhain. So it's a Halloween book. Um, yes, nice. Like pre Halloween and Great. not Halloween at all because it's, it's a rise. witchy holiday. But um, so so this is taking place in like late October ish. So it kind of makes sense that it be called harvest hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the way, harvest man as in harvesting the souls of the dead. Yes, that's, the, that's like Grim Reapers. Yes, for Otherworld. Yes. Um, so, uh, there are many many things that happen in this book, as evidenced by my several pages of notes. Um, I would say that. Most, so this is kind of one of those books where the small plot intersected pretty closely with the big plot. Um, so I will say the book started at Camille and Trillian's nuptials. Aww. Um, yes, they, did, they agreed to get married, but had not yet gotten married by the end of my book. Yes. So it's one, well, I guess technically it is, 
It is Camille and Trillian and Smokey and Morio's nuptials mm-hmm. all together. Yes. It, they're adding Trillian. It's not like Camille's just marrying Trillian yeah. separately. But so they're all they're all getting married. Um, Daddy Dardigo, um, whose name I cannot pronounce. It, it's like Safra or yeah. something. Yeah. And I'm just not... Yeah, Safra. I'm not interested in that, so I just called him Daddy Dardigo for the rest of the my Who, by the memory. way, is screwing the Queen of Otherworld. Uh, that was very strongly implied in my book. Mine um, was explicit. Yeah. Um, so he does not approve of the wedding with Trillian, and so he does not come Aww. to their wedding, which is Rude. very sad. He didn't come to Morio and Smokey's. No, so. but he was, like, in hiding at the time, yeah. so he had a better excuse. Um, so let's see. Uh, and so there's a whole bunch of stuff that gets set up at the wedding, un- unsurprisingly, um, including... Uh, we get introduced to the idea that Chase that Chase had to drink the nectar of life, and he and Delilah have been on the rocks since then, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and Delilah's confused about why, and then a very uh, a plot thread that continually annoyed me began, which was that Delilah had very conflicted feelings about Chase, and then Chase explained his feelings, and they were both very sad, and then they and then they agreed to break up or you know like be on a break or whatever. And then they parted ways, and then Delilah immediately was angry about the whole situation. I was just like, "Wait, you agree? Yeah, girl, you need to get your stuff together. You had such a reasonable conversation, and then you just went back on it all, and I was annoyed. Um, So that was the first time this happened. Um, And this particular time, she got mad, and then she turned into a tabby cat, and then she left the party, and then she found an animal that was a skunk. And then she got sprayed by a skunk. And that is how Delilah gets short hair because Iris takes her back home. They they take her home, I think, possibly through the Ionic Sea, which is their, like, way uh-huh. of teleporting. Except in every, like, whenever they talk about the, the Ionic Sea, they always talk about it as, like, it's a dangerous way to travel and we yeah. only like to do it in emergencies. But then it's like... So you like to do it in emergencies, but also when you have a cat that is covered in skunk juice. Hey, hey, if you had a cat that was covered in skunk juice, I would consider that an emergency. (laughs) Fair. Because cats rub up on everything. Yeah. (laughs) They run around. It's a whole thing. So uh, they take her back to the house. They dump her in tomato juice. It doesn't do anything for the smell, and also it dyes her bright orange. <laughs> and then she shifts oh, back no. into her, like, person form, and she's still bright orange. She is supposed to have this, like, long, waist-length blonde hair, but it's yeah. all, like, totally messed up and mottled. So they try to dye it with peroxide, and it ruins it, and then she's just like, cut it all off, I don't care anymore. And that is, like, that's, really that's funny. how Delilah gets short hair, which nice. she has on the cover of my book. Um, so the inciting incident for this is uh, essentially they get, like, a P.I. Uh, Delilah's Delilah's covers that she's a private investigator. She gets kind of a private investigation gig. Um, Luke, who works at the bar, yep. mm-hmm. uh, he shows up and he says, hey, my sister, who is a werewolf, like, I'm a werewolf, my sister's a werewolf, my sister is pregnant and also missing. Um, and also her husband is a real asshole because he belongs to an... <laughs> a, a werewolf pack down in Arizona. Apparently most werewolf packs have, like, Pretty weird alpha male um, mm-hmm. Callahan's politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so damned uh, and hungered. So uh, Luke was kicked out of his pack, and he's a lone wolf. Yeah, he's a lone wolf, and now his sister is trying to come back home. He thinks it's because she's trying to get away from her creepy scuzzball husband, but he hasn't seen her. She was supposed to meet up, and it's mm-hmm. been a long time. She was down in Arizona, so he was like, "Oh, maybe All she just hasn't made it yet," yeah. but. Philadelphia. Um, LA. So, um, they like, essentially Delilah and Camille in particular agree to take on this job and investigate what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they like, 
uh, one of the things that I noticed in, about this book was that they kept having to to take a break. So it was like they would go through the day and then it would be 5 p.m. and everyone would have to stop for like two and a half hours to because Manali wasn't awake. Yeah. <laughs> so that was how like the rhythm of the books went and it, it amused me endlessly. So they took a nap and during the nap uh, Delilah receives a lesson in death maidening. <sighs> the like head death maiden uh, comes, her name is Greta. Uh, she comes, of course it is. She comes to teach Delilah how to death maiden. Uh, and she like does a demonstration. There's this guy who died. He died as a hero. He like tried to save a bunch of lives and was successful. And he like killed the bad guy. And essentially, the, he's like allowed to go to Valhalla. And mm. so the death maidens like come and like take his spirit with him and help Valkyrie ease. Style. They help ease his passing, and it's like clearly supposed to be very inspiring and beautiful and Delilah's like oh that's awesome but then what about bad guys and then Death Maiden is like don't worry we have a different process for bad guys <laughs> um, and then Delilah wakes up again and now she has short hair but also these crazy tattoos so she has like tattoos of oak leaves all over her arms um, and that's the sign that she's a Death Maiden so then they have that meeting I was talking about where they all sit at the kitchen table with tea and Camille has a steno pad and she's like, what are you doing to advance the project? What are you doing to advance the project? And everybody gives Lesson. a report. Let's, let's get the outline of this plot thread down here, please. <laughs> so everybody checks in on who's doing what and it's hilarious. Um, and also, it, by the way, it is Camille's wedding night with Trillian and Trillian is supposed to have her all to himself and here she is project managing <laughs> this project. And I'm sure he feels great about that. <laughs> yeah. They're all sitting around and Trillian's just like, well, when are we going upstairs? When? What time? Not now. <laughs> Not now? Several okay. times they uh, in my book, they promise to do it with each other. And then, like, Chase calls. And he's like, we got an emergency. And then they have to run out. And then they don't do it. Mm-hmm. That is literally the next thing in my notes. They're in the meeting. And Chase calls. And is like, there's goblins at the hotel. You better come get them. And, and so... they hop into Ecto-1. <laughs> A.K.A. AKA uh, Delilah's Jeep. Yeah. And which... Mario Or Manali's Jag. M- um, Morio's Subaru. Yeah, mm-hmm. also valid. Uh, so they they drive out to the hotel, which is also run by I think a werewolf, possibly. However, they get to the hotel. They kill all the goblins. They ask the hotel owner what was going on, and they're like, I don't know. He was harassing a bunch of beta werewolves. So there's like alpha werewolves, and then yeah. there's everyone else in the beta werewolves. Um, while she is fighting, though, um, Delilah encounters, she's, like, have, fighting, and often when she's fighting, she experiences, like, closeness with the Autumn Lord. Like, mm-hmm. he, like, flashes into her awareness. But with, this time, with... Lysenthra? Lysenthra? Yeah, she was, in fact, fighting... Dagger. Like, she, so, Lysenthra doesn't say anything. She just sings. She hasn't said anything. She just, she just hangs out and, like, oh, yeah. stabs stuff so oh, far. okay. Hmm. Um, she, like, Delilah does say, like, I love this dagger and we do a great, we do great work together, but, like, Lysanthor doesn't do anything. She I will, just, like, fights. I will also point out that the last time we recorded in this room was a couples challenge, Bibliovile, in which case you also had a supernatural in story. That is true, yes. Yeah. You're, you're correct. Um, so, uh, she has this encounter with a gu- with, with a presence who she feels like is the Autumn Lord, but also is not the Autumn Lord. <gasps> it is somehow different. Um, and she doesn't really tell her sisters about these experiences ever, which I'm just confused by. Um, so, uh, they, they capture one of the goblins. Uh, it's a Trigarth. Yep. Which is the kind of demon that Iris apparently turned inside out and also probably kills kill Chase or almost killed Chase. Almost killed Chase. Yeah, they're mostly human. Um, they look human. Yeah. So like then, bikers. 
So they all pile back to the house. Um, Manali and Vanzir and Rosariel are going to question the guy that they captured. The incubus, yeah. And meanwhile, Chase and Delilah break up. Again, they have this another scene where it's like mm-hmm. they have this very intense conversation about emotions. And then, and then uh, they decide to break up. And then Delilah is like annoying about that decision afterwards. <laughs> um, so the next morning they have another meeting with everyone, a secondary check-in, um, and Delilah makes a project management argument that we're focusing on the wrong thing right now. So mm. everybody is kind of focused on like, we gotta find the Lamia, we gotta figure out what's going on with the Lamia, we gotta figure out, we gotta find Stasia, Stasia Bone Crusher and yeah. get her. And um, and Delilah's like, guys, what if we just look, worked on the Spirit Seals problem? Like, what if we just worked that problem mm-hmm. instead? Because like, we're not getting any leads on Stasia Bone Crusher, we're pretty sure we've got a leak. So let's Let's just work on the spirit seals and like be careful. Also, it turns out Stasia Bone Crusher is actually working against Shadowing. That's yes. what we found in my book. Mm. Yes. Um, so and then also Delilah and Camille are still looking for Amber because they want to like say the the sis Amber is the name of the werewolf that they are looking, the pregnant ah. lost werewolf sister. Um, her name is Amber. Um, so they go to the bar it's also to the ask. Color of her energy. They go to the bar to ask Luke questions, which I would not have mentioned because it was an incidental scene, except that. In, Del- in Manali's office, where Delilah goes to change at some point for some reason, they find an invitation from Roman to mm-hmm. some crazy dance that's happening in December. And it's written as, like, Roman is like, I trust, no need to RSVP. I expect you will comply. Who's Roman? The host of 99% Invisible? Or? Yes. yes. Roman Mars. Roman is one of the oldest vampires. Also, point. Great name for a vampire. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he's one of the oldest vampires. He's the son of the original vampire, whose name is Bloodwine. And we'll get more into Roman in a minute. Isn't your books called Bloodwine? It sure is. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Cool. There's okay. a mattress on the freeway. Whoa. <laughs> Morning Zoo DJ. Um, okay, so uh, they essentially they discover that Amber is missing from her hotel. Camille gets very badly hurt. Again, in one of my books, Camille gets very badly hurt. This time she gets hit by some kind of crazy, like, like gas potion called Wolfbriar is what we mm-hmm. discovered is later. She goes crazy. Uh, she goes kind of crazy, but mostly she gets paralyzed. Um, uh, and they think it's because the Wolfbriar interacts in an unexpected way with her moon magic. Um, I So I think that... The this book because remember when I picked Crimson Veil out for you, you then picked out Night Huntress mm-hmm. for me. Something like that. Something like that. No, uh, it's y- the next one. Your next book, yeah. Yeah. You Night Huntress was my last book. Oh, That's the only whatever the next book. <laughs> the next book you have, I have read, and so I recognize a lot of these plot beats. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, excited. So Wolfbriar uh, makes Camille makes the, in this case because it's their first exposure makes Camille go, go paralyzed, uh, and it also like throws Delilah all off. Like she gets totally messed up because it affects wares very strongly. It is made out of some really messed up stuff. Like essentially, mm-hmm. you have to torture and then kill uh, werewolves. werewolves to mm-hmm. make it, and that sounds really gross and unpleasant. It's like their um, endocrine system. Yeah, it's yeah. like their adrenal glands and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and. That is really sad and frustrating. Um, so then they meet with a lady werewolf who, like, tells them some more werewolves that they might want to look up. Look up. Um, they come home and do some more checking in and project management. They find <laughs> that all of the all of the werewolves that they've been told to check up on have been abducted or murdered. <laughs> like, abdu- like, either they're missing or, like, they're dead on their kitchen floor. Like, mm-hmm. those are the two, the Where two settings. Where wolf are they? Um... I don't know. <laughs> what wolf happened to them? Um, so, uh, they finally, uh, they, after meeting with their next door neighbor, Wilbur, a necromancer, 
I like Wilbur. I don't. He was led. To, I was led to believe through Cammy's uh, narration, and she's always on the lookout for like creepazoids and like yeah. lecherous men, which makes sense. That he was kind of a creepazoid and a lecherous man. Kind of um, Manali tends to be more okay with the dead people oh. <laughs> or people that like traffic with the dead. So she's mm. like, he's all right. Yeah, he's, he's fine. That's this fine. returns us once again to our discussion of the difference in narration between yeah. sisters, which yeah. is always interesting. So, um, the the based on from him, they hear about this shop that they should go check out. It's run by these two people, um, who this guy's like they're messed up. And if a necromancer is telling you that people are messed up, you need to keep an eye out yeah. for those people. <laughs> um, so they go to the shop. Uh, it's run by two people named Van and JC. They walk in, and Camille's like, "Oh my god, these people are very powerful. Like we need to be careful." So they. They, like, essentially try to set up, like, hi, I'm a witch and I'm interested in purchasing things. Can you help me with that? Mm-hmm. Like, things that, like, maybe I can't prepare myself because it's too dangerous or, and also that it's, like, most people don't sell them because they're defo illegal. Yeah. Uh, so, so Can she... I get some of your special stock? Right. So the the lady at the at the front desk is, uh, is basically like, yes, we have that stuff. I can tell that you're a very powerful death witch, so you would, like, believably need these things. Um, I can get it for you tomorrow. So they immediately go back to, they, like, they go to a coffee shop, look up this business, find the address that it is registered to, and then go to that address in Seattle. Like, that's what they do. And also, like, this is why you register your LLCs in Delaware, guys. Like, (laughs) yeah, the taxes in Seattle are terrible. Um, so they, like, so, uh, they use essentially some PI skills to figure out where to go. They go to this house. They explore the house. They go down to the basement. Why would you go down to the basement? Fortunately, That's Camille. Going to the basement. Fortunately, Camille has the foresight to text somebody and say, "Like, yo, if we don't check in in twenty minutes, come get us. Here's where we are." And that, thank God, because they get down there. Van and JC from the shop show up, and they're like, "Who do we have here? It's the yeah. two sisters we're trying to capture." Because Stasia Bonecrusher has a has a bounty on your head, and they proceed to try to kill both of the sisters, and they almost succeed, except that then. Vanzir, Smokey, Morio, and Trillian all show up. And if you want to talk about Colin and the Cavalry, like, literally a dragon <laughs> showed up. Yeah, Smokey's the only one you need. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then uh, they wipe out those people, and then Smokey goes, and Smokey disappears. He just, <gasps> I have business. Yeah, and disappears. And then, uh, and then later, they all go back to the house, and Smokey returns. And at this point, Delilah has seen a report um, on, hold on. We need to do, like, two things. So, at this point, Delilah has seen a report on the news that the, um, that a a certain store in a neighborhood that they were just in has exploded. And there's no explanation for how how or why it has exploded. So, she she, uh, looks at Smokey and says the following. I just got wind that a certain magical shop was trashed. Thoroughly. I met his stare. Did you leave evidence? Smokey snorted. Do I look stupid? I wasn't going to answer that. A, he didn't look stupid. He was probably one of the hottest dragons around. Hold on. The hottest dragons? There's like two things wrong with this. One, you don't know that many dragons. Two, you can be very hot and also stupid. Ryan Lochte exists. Exactly. (laughs) And then the the more compelling argument, B, even if he did look stupid, you don't tell a dragon that they look stupid. (laughs) Also, this is your brother-in-law, Delilah. (laughs) God, Delilah. Okay, so then... Drink some water. Get less thirsty. Yeah. Um, so, do, do, do. Uh, so they're rescued. They take a break and have another meeting. Um, Delilah ends up in, in, ends up going to the place where all of the death maidens live. 
during one of these breaks that they take and she takes a nap and she goes to Haseofan is the name of the place where all the deaf maidens live. And do you know who else lives there? Gail. Her. Ariel, their sister. Hey. Their sister. In like in like human, semi-human form. She lives there and like she can be a person there and then also she can turn into a cat when she leaves. I met Ariel once in my book. Yeah. She like seems okay. Their um, dead sister that only appears mostly to Delilah. Yeah. Um, she again, she again meets, she takes a lesson in death maidening, and then she meets, uh, not the Autumn Lord, but feels like the Autumn Lord, um, in person. So, like, this person, she's had several encounters with him while fighting now, and it's always, it's been very mysterious, uh, but she actually meets him in person. His name is Shade, and he, uh, in the, in the theme of of Camille. He does her real good. Nice. <laughs> and then uh, he sends her home with a box. And then she wakes up and Iris is like, what is this box? And Delilah's like, I don't know. And she opens it and it's a ring and she puts the ring on. And then Iris is like, that box belongs to a to a dragon. A shade dragon, specifically. <sighs> so it turns out that shade is a is a at least partially black dragon. Um, I remember shade from the next book when yeah. they're having like the bachelorette party for Oh yeah. God. So, um, so then they go to a warehouse. They rescue. Is that like him. somebody who can turn into a house? Yes. Every the full warehouse. Moon. The warehouse. <laughs> no. They, oh come on, Sue. So, that's funny. So they get a lead. They get a lead on Amber, the pregnant lost ware person. Um, they they think she's at a warehouse, uh, being held by a bunch of coyote shifters. They go to the warehouse. They rescue her. The, but the coyote shifters have literally armed themselves with. Boxes of dynamite. I have expected there also to be <laughs> anvils and like big boxes with Acme written on oh them. My like, oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, wily coyotes. I was like, this was a real missed opportunity. Yeah, they really coyotes. <laughs> they painted a big tunnel on the side of the warehouse, and everyone smacked right into right. it. Right. So, so they they rescue them from these bad coyote shifters, and then they get a call that uh, someone is at the house. This is how Shade reveals himself. Iris, Iris, Shade rescues Iris. Like, basically, everything explodes in the last several mm-hmm. chapters. There's, like, three big fights all in a row. One's at the warehouse against the coyotes. One is back at their house against a bunch of, like, trigger demons. And mm. then they finally get a tip on where Lamia is. I have a question. Stasia. Have any of Stasia, have any of you ever encountered someone who is a half-titan named Carter? Absolutely not. He's been mentioned in my book, but never explained. Okay, because he gets, he gets, he, they go and meet with him and they also meet his half, his daughter, his like adopted foster daughter. Um, Oh no, he's like the, uh, the, the, uh, information guy. Yeah, he has a ton of information. He was just dropped in and it was like, he's the one who gave the map to the house. That's all I got from him. So it turns out that his daughter has been a leak all this time. (gasps) She's mute. Yeah, she's been tied. She's, she can write though. (laughs) Damn. So, Car- this, like, this character who, like, I encountered two times in my entire book, one of them was this time, um, it's like, my daughter was the leak. And I was like, clearly this was just so you didn't have to make the leak be yeah, any anyone who actually important. mattered. Yeah. Um, so then Vanzer takes the information about where Stasia is from them. They go kill Stasia. Like, it's not even that big of a deal. So they have these three big fights right in a row. And then the book is over. Um, like, do they use cold sounds magic Sounds like Yasmin Gallinor. Um, uh, they do use some cold magic uh, on the Lamia's lair because she's, she's a cold snake, blooded. and also because she has a bu- a bunch of snakes just like hang out in her house. So so Iris is like, no, thank you, and like freezes the house. I, to make well, that's the, that's fair. I keep a uh, a ton of tiny humans in my house because that's just like I'm I'm it's just like mostly what you human, do. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so I have uh, I have I mean, one I work more with a bunch of humans. One more thing to say, which is they're explaining what 
um, what shade is. And it was, again, one of those moments where you just made something up. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, he's half Shadow Dragon, a.k.a. Black Dragon. It's the same. But he's also half Stradalon, which yep. I don't think is a real thing. Um, aside, And we don't actually know I what it is. I remember that, yeah. We don't actually know what it is. Nope. Just that they can walk between worlds, but, but they're not very adept at the Ionic Lands. Nope. Like, that's it. That's all we get. And illusion magic. That's it. I remember that. That's all we continue to get. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, I am sure that I am also well over my time, so that is my book. What questions do you have? <laughs> Nothing, because I got the next book, and let me just say that those two characters continue to be a big focus, and more so, the like the council and the community become a bigger focus in your next book. Just a warning. Shade and Delilah are, like, super cute in my book. Like, Aww. they're just, like, very much falling in love. And there's a little bit of, like, Delilah and Chase officially, like, call things off for not right. going to be anything that, anymore. So that definitely does happen at one point. Yeah. Both, they're both, and, like, Delilah, at that Your point... Your next Del- book at Chase is, like, an awkward... Yeah. The, annoying, the annoyingness faded yeah. at a certain point in my book where it was like, okay, you have finally actually dealt with this and now you're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And... So officially, are we moving into Susan's book? I think so. Yeah, okay. I think that's fine possible so what like what happens okay so for the the chase delilah drama he moves on as an interest and is interested in a woman named shara yeah and shara's definitely yeah the medic yeah and shade and delilah like continue to be very cute but that's a pretty minor plot point in my book um before we get started i would just like to drop a couple pieces of completely random pretty much out of context classic classic Yasmin Gallinor and Bonkersness. Okay. Including this line. When you sacrifice an immortal, even if he's to be reincarnated and chose you as his executioner, you don't just forget it and go along your merry way. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but it's that's in there. a black unicorn, right? Also, apparently Santa is real. He's very scary. And Camille met him a few years ago. <laughs> I've not seen it. And then so this that's line in your book. Chase dressed in Armani and smelled like a perpetual taco stand. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard that a lot because Camille doesn't like Chase Camille that much. Camille does not like Chase what that does much. A ta- okay, but Manali does. What? Like, she was talking about, about how attractive he was. And he smells like a taco stand. Uh-huh. Is that I a mean, good she thing? She is a vampire, so she can't eat tacos anymore. Um, so she I can't do, really smell. I do really appreciate Yasmin Galnorn for including smell as a sense in books, which has not yes. come up. Uh, Smoky smells like cedar, cinnamon, and library dust, which I think is very evocative. I like that. That's very evocative. Petrichors? No, that's like the rain smell. So, small plot of this book, there is a vampire serial killer on the loose. As in he kills vampires, or he's Uh, a vampire? A vampire who is a serial killer. Okay, that's very important. And Manali has taken it upon herself to try to track this person down, because it's causing a lot of problems in the vampire community. It makes vampires look bad. It makes the vampires look bad, and there's a lot of, like, religious fanatics that are trying to, like, Act, actively trying to go Freedom's out and kill vampires. Yeah, Freedom's yeah. Angels. Um, so that's like the, the main Seattle part. Tantler. All these murders are happening in a part of Seattle that is very haunted. There are a lot of ghosts, both in underground tunnels in that part of Seattle and in this one particular diner. Um, <laughs> other big thing that's like... Was this Kyle, Twin Peaks? We should ask Kyle if he's ever been to that diner. We should. And is it haunted? Is yeah. it real? Um, did you look it up? I did not look it up. And so the other like big plot point in this book is that Manali is becoming more and more involved with Roman. 
Roman is the vamp, like essentially like a vampire king. So he's a vampire oh. royalty. He's descended from the original vampire whose name is Bloodwine. This book is titled after Bloodwine, but we don't meet her in this book. Bloodwine is Ooh. the queen of the Crimson Veil. And Roman is basically trying to like I figured for take sure over. Was a serial killer. Oh, that's sorry. empty. Um, yeah. Sorry, an empty beer bottle just fell over. Roman Everyone? is basically trying to like take over leadership of the vampire community in Seattle. Vampire um, he anonymous. is trying to. So he is he has asked Manali to convince Wade, the leader of Vampires Anonymous, to drop out of the election, and he, and for the Roman city council, right? Yeah. And Roman is going to kill Terrence, who's the other vampire that's competing with Wade for the council position. Um, Manali and Wade make up. Terrence is not the serial killer, but Terrence does die at the end. Like, Roman and his children, like his army, raid Terrence's club, the Fangtabula, and they take them (laughs) all out. The Fangtabula, where the the whole climactic battle scene of my book took place. Yep, it is no more. All yeah. those people are dead. Well, so, but Terrence, the Fangtabula was a bad, bad place. It, it was. And then also, in my book, they have, like, a quick reference at the very end to Terrence essentially wanting to, like, make vampires vampires again. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, he was basically wanting, Terrence was Sorry wanting vampires to take there, over and, like... Mama. Give in to their predator nature yeah. and all that. Um, so um, Terrence I have is no a quick more. question. Why is the vampire... Why did they pick Seattle? Like, I why know, not Rome not or Venice? Or I suppose not. That's where yeah. Twilight takes place. Yeah. I guess. Why not New York? London. Boston? London? I also think it's because... Scotland? Yasmin Gallinoran lives in Seattle. Yeah. The Seattle area. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that makes sense. Um... This book also gets really dark and really sad and very introspective. Hmm. It's um, for you. And so Manali, so there is a character that I've mentioned before. Her name is Sassy. She's another vampire. She's oh, yeah, an older she's woman. Really... She's, she's a lesbian. She has oh, a lot no. of money. And when Manali and she has comes out to, okay. when Manali has oh. to turn one of their good friends, so basically Manali has to sire another vampire named the Aaron. Lingerie owner. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Business owner. Aaron goes and lives with Sassy, who's going to, like, teach her the ropes of how to be a vampire. Sassy starts to turn. She, like, gives into her predator nature. She's been attacking innocent people. She's been attacking her maid that has lived with her, like, her whole life. That's her best friend. She's been really terrible to Aaron. And Sassy had made Manali promise that if I ever start to give, like, they, they refer to it as, like, giving into my predator. Like, if I ever start to give into my predator, that you're going to stake me. And this starts to happen, and Manali, like, struggles with it for, like, the first half of the book, and then realizes, like, this is what I have to do. Mm. And so she takes, she removes Aaron from the house, gives Aaron a new place to live, and she has to stake Sassy. Um, And it, like, like, after she takes her, like, Sassy's spirit comes back and, like, thanks Manali for what she's done, and, like, now I can move on and be at peace. And so it's, like ultimately a good thing but it was like really hard for her like she had to she had to take her her like good friend who was a good mentor to her when she was first turned and like it's very sad introspective conflict in the books yeah this is a first for bibliophile i know it was crazy and it was very sad um manali also makes a bargain with an elder fae named ivana krosk um and this is the the elder fae i-v-a-n-a k-r-a-s-k um, and Ivana is one of the elder fae, so, like, ancient, ancient, ancient 
predecessor to the Fae, which Manali and her sisters are. Half. Um, half. And Avana's skill is that she can, like, she can remove spirits from a place. And so... Like exercise? Yeah. Or like, okay. Yeah. And so Manali, like, strikes a bargain with her to come in and take the spirits out of this neighborhood in Seattle. And apparently the Elder Fae are, like, these big tricksters. And, like, if you strike a bargain with an Elder Fae, you're kind of at risk. Like, they might come back and try to strike a bargain with you. And so now, like, everyone's really nervous that Manali has opened this big can of worms. Like, what is she going to come back and ask you for later? Which I think might wind up coming up in future books. But there was also... No, I've already read that one and it wasn't there. But maybe later after that. Um, but this is how the Elder Fae are described. The Maiden of Karask was one of the Elder Fae. She was famous for eating children, luring men to their grisly deaths on the moors, and turning young maids into old hags. But she had one other power that forced its way up from my memory. The Maiden of Karask was able to vanquish old powerful spirits. She could move them as well, dislodging them from one dwelling to take them to another distant haunt. In days long past, villages had offered up sacrifices of young children to her when they had a problem due to ghosts and spirits. Like, what is this? That's it was the, bonkers. That's referenced, that kind of fairy tale sort of thing is referenced in The Witcher, uh, a video game series that mm-hmm. I played. Except they're offering up to their version of the Hags of Fate. Oh, interesting. Actually, I'll look up what the what they're called. Because it might be Hags of Fate. They might be. Um, Let's see. Do, 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 do. Some other bonkers things. So it's like snowing a lot and they remark a lot on the weather in Seattle and Manali just casually mentions, of course, last year's deluge of snow had been the result of Loki moving into the area when Dredge came to town. Like, oh, of course. Yeah, naturally. Of course it does. As usual. Um, let's see. Another, like, big kind of sad thing that happens is, like, in the whole last part of this book, Manali is fighting all of her battles, like, killing the vampire serial killer... Um, going down and, like, confronting all these ghosts and spirits without her sisters. And it's this big thing of, like, Manali feels like they're all starting to go their separate ways and, like, finding their separate paths. They all have very different lives and powers, and their lives are taking them in very different directions. And she's, like, talking to Iris about this, and she says, Iris, does it feel like things are falling apart to you? Iris shakes her head slowly and says, No, dear, things are simply evolving. Rest. Let go of the day. Tomorrow night, things may seem brighter. Go now and sleep. Um, which I thought was just Did any of you run into, like, nice. a major secret for Iris? Okay. Yeah. Um, in, so, in my book, at, at one point, Delilah sort of understand, is given to understand that, that Iris has a secret, mm-hmm. but she is not going to know what it is for a while. Like, yeah. Iris is like, I have a secret, but I can't tell you what it is. I think it's coming up because at the end of this book, several of the group take Iris back to the Northlands. Okay, and in Mm -hmm. your next book, Iris gets married. It's at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, so it must happen in my next book, which I'm very excited about because I like Iris a whole bunch. I know, Iris is great. Um, Okay, so one other big and like kind of gross thing and really dark thing that happens in this book is re- is involving Vanzir, the demon. Uh-huh. So his power as a demon is that he can feed off of other demons and he or other creatures. Yeah. Um and so he can like basically like put his little magic tentacles into them and feed off of their power. 
And he also, like, similar to an incubus, but he's not an incubus, like, he also feeds off of sex. And they're fighting a bunch of demons and spirits down in these tunnels underneath Seattle. And Van Zier, like, basically, like, loses himself when he feeds. And so he's, like, trying to feed off of one of these ghosts. He basically loses control over himself. And, he, and when he, like, sees Cammie's magic in his periphery, he starts to also feed on her. And the only way that she can think of, because she can't, they can't get out of these tunnels because the rungs are made of iron and it burns the fae. And so she uh-huh. can't get out. And no one else is down there because Manali had taken every, Morio got really badly hurt. Uh-huh. And Manali had taken Morio out. So it was just Vanzir and Camille that were down there. She can't get out. And he starts feeding on her. And so the only way that she can think of to, like, get him to stop feeding on her magic is to basically, like, distract him with sex. And so they, like, do it down in these tunnels. And it, like, it's basically, like, rapes her. Um, And she, like, opened herself up to it because she wanted him to stop, like, feeding on her brain. coercion. But, yeah. And so, like, they're both, Vanzier and Cammie both are just completely traumatized by this and don't really know how to handle it. And because this happens, is the Moon Mother yeah. with Cammie? Um, so the Moon Mother takes away all of Vanzier's power, so he does not have any powers anymore. Oh, jeez. The thing is that Vanzier has a little thing in his neck, so she could have commanded him to stop it if he didn't. Not anymore. The Moon Mother took that away, too. Like, everything's gone. So he's like no, a human but before. Yeah. yeah, before, but like... In the moment, like, yeah. she... It, oh, obviously, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Like, in and, the moment, she could have... Yeah. Yeah, but, like, she wasn't didn't. was thinking, yeah, because obviously very distracted by a lot of things. And so, Vanzier is no longer under their control. He also does not have any of his powers, but he wants to stay loyal to them and help them, especially because he feels so bad about what's happened with Cammy. Cammy's also freaking out because she doesn't know how to tell Trillian and Morio and Smokey about what happened because she's afraid they're going to kill Vanzier. And so that's basically where we're left at the end of this book is that no one knows well, how to well, handle yeah. the situation. Don't me for next book. So nobody, like, really knows how to handle that situation. And it's, like, really, really uncomfortable and, uh-huh. like, pretty terrible and very dark. And so this, yeah. like, this Does book was just... screen then? Um, yes. So it happens off screen, but we, like, talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, it's described in pretty graphic detail. And it's just, like... It is the thing that everyone is, like, having a really hard time processing and dealing with. A very like, special episode. Delilah can't, like, cannot be in the same room as Vanzier because she's so mad about it that she just, like, instantly shifts every time she sees him because she gets so upset about it. And, like, Manali almost killed him when she found out that it happened. And, um, like, I feel like this one was all leading up to, like, there's going to be a lot of... That's change. There's a lot of things that are happening. There's a lot of, like, interpersonal conflict. And then also, Manali discovers that there is, like, Vanzier has often referred to the demon underground, and she thought that just meant, like, a group of people. It is literally a, a collection of underground tunnels beneath the city of Seattle where all of these demons are living. And all of these demons in the underground are fighting Shadowing. Um, and so it's just, like, kind of setting us up for, like, what's going to happen next in the battle against Shadowing. So who's the serial killer? The serial killer was a recently turned vampire named Charles. He was a priest. He was walking through the park one night, and a vampire posing as Hooker used her glamour on him, bit him, turned him, and because of all the guilt and conflict that he feels over this, he has started killing other people. 
And they find him and they stake him and he's done. All right. Quick and dirty. Well, that small plot seems but like our usual bibliophile fare. Wade. So Wade is the one that helps Manali find him, track him down, and stake him. And Wade and Manali are now friends again. Yeah. Does the election go through? Does her. Um, the election, we don't know what happens with the election, but Wade pulls out, Trillian gets murdered, and then now Whoa, Manali... Terrence, Terrence. Terrence, Terrence gets murdered. <laughs> Terrence gets murdered. And now Manali... Now Manali is the official consort to Roman, who is the vampire lord. So she's his official uh, consort. Also, official she consort. and Nerissa are going to have a pledging ceremony, like a binding Aww. ceremony. Good. So there's your consort to the, the mm-hmm. vampire lord yeah. that you had in your original Crimson Bay. Yeah. So, any any final words on on uh, Bloodwine? I do think it's really interesting that like your book was like this is called Bone Magic because that's what there is in this book, and yours was like it makes that it makes sense, and mine was this is a tertiary character that is mentioned but never shown. Yeah. <laughs> um. So next, Sue, you'll have to read Crimson, Crimson Veil vale again, a book you've already read. Are you? excited interested bored with the idea i am excited because i feel like the first time i read this book it was basically like look how bonkers all this is because we have no context for it at all and now i feel like it'll be a little bit of connecting the dots hopefully yeah we'll have to go back and listen to the the crimson veil for sure for sure um one thing that i do want to close us out with is um, one, one just, like, really nice thing is Manali is very self-conscious about her scars, and I think, like, her relationship with Roman is actually really good for her. She has scars from her... Dredging. Yep, from Dredge, who tortured her, and Roman tells her, they're just battle scars, my dear. Be fiercely proud of them, reclaim them, and change them from what they were first intended to do. Take them for your own, they make you the person that you are. Sounds like Tyrion. I know, I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, that very nice uh, Tyrion Lannister-ish cloud yourself in it, uh, we are going to close out this episode of Biblio Smile, the Other World series, until we return through the portals again, which may be soon, probably around Christmas? Thanksgiving. Christmas. Yeah. Christmas. Uh, so it might be a bit, these two came out really back to back, so you'll have to wait until the next time, but. Gives you plenty of time to catch up on Other World. Yeah, for you, you to read. If you haven't been reading them. Exactly. Because I highly suggest you read these books. They make me smile, like, more and bigger than any other books I've ever read. And that is completely true. They are not the best books I've ever read, but they are the... Most fun. Most fun. Yeah. Um, So, to close it out, I have been Mick Dickinson. You can find me at Dickima, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. I have been Susan Dickinson. You can find me at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. And I will hopefully continue to be Michelle Johnson. You can find me at ICFASMTW, stands for I Can't Find a Screen Name That Works. The intro music for our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. And the outro music for our podcast is by the one and only Michael Dean Dickinson. That guy's a jerk. Uh, thanks for listening. Be sure and like and subscribe and retweet and favorite and uh, smash that like button. And tell all a friend. That, tell a friend and play in a bus. Uh, for everyone to hear on your speakers. <laughs> um, but other than that, just thanks for being one of both people who listen to this. I love, you, I love you so much, and I wish you all the best in the world.